990 AM and 105.5 and 107.9 FM. 990 WDEO, Ypsilanti, Detroit, W300CO Dexter, and Ave Maria Radio Station, and on the net at AveMariaRadio.net. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mass Appeal. We cannot take any phone calls at this time. the Saturday morning live show on Catholic Radio, where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. This show is pre-recorded today, but fresh and new, special for you. I've got a number of email questions to answer, and we have one guest coming up later. So, I want to first tell you, for those of you that are new listeners, this show is called Mass Appeal. It's a Saturday morning, usually live show on Catholic Radio, where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. But today we have a pre-recorded show, but it'll be filled with free, friendly advice from a Catholic perspective to email questions that you submitted, topics that come up normally on the show, and we do have a wonderful guest today that will just amazing. You'll be surprised. Maybe not. I'll tell you who it is. So um, I had some very interesting questions um, on my background, and for those of you, again, that are new to the show, my background is in family life education. My name is Colleen Kelly Mast. I have a life coaching certification. Actually, I have three or four certifications in life coaching right now. And I'm an author and a speaker. I have a master's degree in health education and teaching certificates in health science, physical education, and theology. And I've been here on Catholic Radio for 20 years, offering advice from a Catholic perspective. You can learn more about my work and my books, Sex Respect, Love and Life, and Love Ed, by going to my website at Respect. For you.com, respect the number four, the letter U.com, or sexrespect.com. Um, but for now, uh, let's get ready for these next two hours. Very interesting. I'll find them interesting, and I think you will too. I had questions on, uh, like, my own personal spiritual habits. Actually, somebody sent a number of kind of personal questions, and I'll, I'll answer those as, as time permits. Uh, somebody uh, wrote in about um, their marriage. They need to be kinder to their spouse. So I thought, oh, I better pick that question because I think everybody who's married probably needs to be a little bit kinder to their spouse. Um, another one was uh, helping kids learn to discipline themselves instead of the mom exhausted always disciplining them that'll be interesting and uh, somebody asked for facts on transgender this transgender craze so that we can respond to people with common sense and maybe some science so I've got a lot of uh, scientific information for you as well as common sense about how to respond to that let's see what else do we have here in our stack um Oh, how to um, eliminate your favorite sin. Somebody said they have a particular sin that they confess regularly and they're embarrassed to repeat the same one. So how do you stop that? So that's always a wonderful thing to cover on a pre-recorded show. And I use the book, The Handbook of Spiritual Perfection, that I've probably had for about 20 years. That gives us specific ways to help overcome a certain habitual sin. And uh, somebody asked a health question about like my different uh, health practices. 
since I've come back to life since my toxic pregnancy. And maybe we'll even have time for some of those recipes. We'll see. Someone asked about that as well. And then we have a wonderful guest here today, Father Robert Spitzer. That you, you EWTN regular fans are, are already in love with and you know his brilliance. And he's going to speak on his new book, The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church, and then how we can explain this to other people. Because there is great wisdom in the Catholic teachings. That the Catholic teachings are designed to draw us to God. Actually, they're rooted in the scripture. Back in uh, Isaiah, uh, he, in Isaiah 48, he, he says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. So this is what God is telling us. I, the Lord your God, teach you what is for your good and lead you on the way you should go. If you would hearken to my commandments, your prosperity would be like a river, your vindication like the waves of the sea, your descendants would be like the sand, and those born of your stock like its grains, their name never cut off or blotted out from my presence. And this is when we're following the way of the Lord and hearken to his commandments. That's a pretty big, uh, important covenant that God has with us. And in Psalm 1, it says those who follow the Lord will have the light of life. So we, the commandments are for our good, and they bring us light. Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor the way, walks in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. So hopefully that should be part of your daily prayers, meditating on the law of the Lord. Psalm 1 continues, he's like a tree planted near running water that yields its fruit in due season and whose leaves never fade. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked, not so. They're like chaff which the wind drives away. For the Lord watches over the way of the just, but the way of the wicked vanishes. So there's a lot of uh, truth and uh, direction from God way back to the Old Testament about how important it is to follow his commandments and follow his ways. So let's take a look at uh, a way that we can begin by practicing daily spiritual habits that give us the grace to do that. So I'll start with that first question. Where's that one? Um, spiritual habits question. The uh, Oh, <laughs> Colleen, dear Colleen, would you mind sharing your daily spiritual habits with your listeners? In other words, how do you start your day spiritually and go through the day in a spiritual way? And those of you that are my life coaching clients are familiar with a lot of my spiritual ways because I help to find some that match your particular lifestyle as well and uh, and give some particular format. So I... Uh those of you that are regular listeners here on Mass Appeal know that I have given my life to God so many times. I renew that each day. You know, before I get out of bed, I thank God for the day and I pray the prayer to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the one from St. Augustine and sometimes the traditional one. And so the, the St. Augustine one, if it's new to some of you, is Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work, too, may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, so that I love but what is holy. And strengthen me, Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. And guide me then, O Holy Spirit, so that I always may be holy. 
And then sometimes I use the traditional come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. And many of you know that one. Um, And so I'll uh, not say the whole thing, but many of you know that and you can find it easily. So then I pray the traditional morning offering, which is, O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I learned this when I was probably in first grade in the Catholic school. I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for our sins, for the intentions of all our associates, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. And then I pray in our Father, Hail Mary, and Glory Be. Then some days I pray the other morning offering that my little boys learned when they were in conquest clubs and and different um, Catholic, uh, uh, practicing different Catholic things. And and this is a simpler one for some of you that want a a different morning offering. And it's a good one for kids, too, because it's very uh, visual and physical. Lord Jesus, I give you my hands to do your work. I give you my feet to go your way. I give you my tongue to speak your words. I give you my my mind that you may think in me. I give you my spirit that you may pray in me. And above all, I give you my heart that you may love in me your Father and all mankind. And I give you my whole life that you may grow in me so that it is you, Lord Jesus, who live and work and pray in me. So that's the very beginning. <laughs> okay. So then sometimes I'll have a, a secret intention just between me and God. Like I promise um, to God, you know, to do a particular, you know, good deed or grow in a particular virtue. And if I'm not praying the whole rosary that morning, I'll, I'll follow the morning offering with an Our Father, Hail Mary, or Glory Be. And if I'm doing the, the rosary later, I'll still do the Our Father, Hail Mary, and Glory Be right in the beginning. So that's the, the first morning prayer. And then I meditate on the scriptures of the day. Most of the days of the week, six days a week. Um, Sunday, I often do it the night before. And Sunday, <laughs> because I do the radio on Saturday and I work all the other days, Sunday is the only day I can sleep in. So I usually listen to the gospel three times on the app Discerning Hearts. I've downloaded that beautiful app Discerning Hearts. And so on Sunday mornings when I sleep in, before I get out of bed, I listen to the gospel because they read it in a row three times to help you meditate on it. So I read, I listen to the gospel three times on Discerning Hearts app before I get out of bed. <laughs> and then I also meditated on it, meditate on it in bed like I, as I would have the night before. So I'm totally ready for Mass. But that's my, my Sunday. But the other days, I get up and I, I do the prayer of the Holy Spirit and I Read the daily scriptures. Now, I subscribe to a small, uh, looks like a Reader's Digest of the Catholic Prayer, Morning Prayer, called Magnificat. It's a beautiful monthly digest of the daily prayer of the whole church throughout the world, and it has the mass prayers for Catholics all over the world. It's in different languages. Magnificat is the name of it. And each day, not only do they have the morning prayer, evening prayer, and meditations, they also have a meditation already done. So those of you that are struggling to meditate or figure out what to meditate on, 
Um, you might want to just look at the readings of the day. Mm-hmm. You can also get them free, emailed to you by the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, or do these meditations and subscribe to the Magnificat. And there are other wonderful prayer helps out there as well. These are just the, the two that I've used. And so the, the meditation in the Magnificat is usually written by a saint or a famous Catholic. So I'll read that a couple times and see what strikes me. And then maybe make a resolution based on that. And so um, then I uh, go to church. Uh, Most days I join our morning prayer group that is 45 minutes ahead of the Mass. And we pray the rosary, several litanies, other prayers like the unity prayer, the St. Gertrude prayer, the prayer to St. Joseph, the memorari, then the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And so that is what we do 45 minutes before Mass at my parish. So I try to join there as many days as I can. And then we have daily Mass, and I receive communion. So I try to go to Mass every day. So then other prayer habits constantly on my mind is... How do I serve God best each moment? You know, and before each life coaching client, I say a prayer for my client's needs as well as for the Holy Spirit to guide me. And I pray the Angelus at noon. And I live near a Catholic church that rings its bells each hour to remind us to pray. So I say a short prayer every hour when I hear the bells. And then at noon and 9 o'clock, the church bells play a Catholic hymn. So I sing along with that. And I also live near Adoration Chapel. I can go up there and make a visit whenever I can. I'm usually in the evenings. And then in my night prayer, I usually do an examination of conscience and some spiritual reading. So I go through the Ten Commandments. I have a little quiz that I give myself on how did I do on this particular commandment. It's different things I might be struggling with, with the different commandments or different temptations I know that I face. So I look at that and uh, examine myself. And then I thank God for the day. After my act of contrition, I thank him for the graces he gave me that day, and I ask him to help me do better tomorrow. I ask for his blessings on everybody that I want to. That I said I would pray for, and I tell him that I love him. And uh, so that is my basic prayer routine, and I hope that helps some of you. As I said, my life coaching clients have copies of this format, and maybe I'll try to I'll try to post them on my website if I can. Maybe a meditation format where we the one from Father John Bartunik's book, The Better Way, that has four parts when you're meditating on the gospel to concentrate, consider, converse, and commit. I'll try to post these on my website so you have some ideas of how you want to choose your prayer routine for the day as well. So, don't give us a call today. This is a pre-recorded show. I'm answering a lot of your email questions. This is Colleen Kelly Mass on Mass to Peel on a special pre-recorded show full of your emails and a special guest. And we will be back with your um, more of your emails right after this message. Today's programming on 990 WDEO is brought to you in part by a gift from our day sponsors, Gary and Cindy Hunter, who are celebrating their 45th wedding anniversary and joyful Thanksgiving for the gift of this precious vocation and for the gift of their family. They pray for all married couples who place Christ at the center of their marriage. You can be a day sponsor too. Call toll free 1-877-288-1077 and say, I want to be a day sponsor. 
Hi, Vanessa Denhagarmo here, inviting you to tune into Epiphany. We're made to praise God and celebrate our faith. I want to encourage listeners to connect, communicate, and collaborate with the faith community. Life is a journey, and along the way, we have those Epiphany moments that bring us closer to Christ. Please partner with me and celebrate the diversity of our Catholic Church. Epiphany, weekdays at noon, only on Ave Maria Radio. What is prayer? The Catholic Catechism defines prayer simply as the raising of our mind and heart to God. Humility is the foundation of prayer. When we pray, do we speak from the height of our mind and will or from the depths of a humble and contrite heart? It is only when we acknowledge that we do not know how to pray as we ought are we then ready to receive the gift of prayer. St. Augustine points out that when we come to the well seeking water, Christ comes to meet us. He first seeks us and asks for a drink. His asking arises from God's desire for us. God's thirst encounters our thirst. He thirsts that we may thirst for him. Where does prayer come from? Scripture most frequently cites the heart. If the heart is far from God, the words of prayer are in vain. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mass Appeal. We cannot take any phone calls at this time. Catholic Radio, where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. This is Colleen Kelly Mast. I'm a life coach, author, and a speaker, and you can learn more about my work at my website, sexrespect.com, or respect, the number four, the letter U, respectforyou.com. There you can learn about my books, Love Ed, Sex Respect, Love in Life, or about my life coaching, or the different talks that I can give when I come out to your parish or area or diocese, so check that out sexrespect.com or respectforyou.com. And today we have a pre-recorded show and a lot of good things that we can do. I received several emails from you, as I do, and I had asked for emails to help with this show. And so we have several topics coming up. The first question was about some of my spiritual habits, and so I explained those to you in the first section. And now we have a question about marriage. We have a question about kids, we have a question about transgender, we have a question about health, we have a question about how to avoid sin, and we have a guest later on, Father Robert Spitzer, on explaining the moral wisdom of the Catholic Church. So I'm excited for that part, but also excited to be here with you, even if it is pre-recorded. Okay, next question. My husband and I, dear Colleen, my husband and I raised three kids who are all grown. Things went pretty well when we were busy raising kids, but now that the kids are gone, it seems we are habitually mean to each other. (laughs) How do we turn this around to be kind? Okay, that's a good question. And things do change when the the kids leave, and, and having children is a wonderful, wonderful experience, but sometimes you get so busy with each other, that, or with the kids, that you don't take as much time for each other. So when the kids grow up and go, that's another stage of marriage, where you look at your life together, you don't have the kids as a Uh, distraction. Uh, Your conversations no longer need to revolve around 
who's picking up who, when, what child needs what, what discipline. And so you do face a new stage. So I'm sorry that you are irritable and cranky and unkind to each other, but certainly you can and should restore kindness or bring it back. I know one gal that had called me for some help years ago had said that her family, her husband came from a family that was normally sarcastic and unkind. Their regular mode of communication was flippant comments and sarcastic comments and being mean and saying they were just joking. And she was stunned because she said, how do, you know, how do I live like this? But their whole family, he came from a large family and their whole family was like that and they thought that's what communication was. So we need to build kindness into our lives. And, and many times over the years, actually I could pull that out now, I have uh, had a kindness quiz. I probably haven't read it to you all in a couple years, so maybe I can pull that out here in a moment. But, um, but kindness is a practice. Kindness adds sweetness to everything. Kindness is an imitation of God. It's, it's God's love coming to earth. And that's what we're supposed to be with our spouses. We're supposed to be God's love to them. Believe it or not, yes, that is one of your jobs. So kindness makes, oh, makes life blossom. And it fills it with perfume, with a beautiful fragrance. And it counteracts this unhappiness of sin. It makes life more endurable. So we need to inject and add kindness as a habit each day into our marriage and into our family life until it becomes a habit to be kind. And so we break an old habit by replacing it with a new habit. Because kindness is one of God's greatest gifts to the world. You know, and it's going to come to the world through you. So think of the, there is a fraternity of kindness that I had found uh, years ago when I was helping one of my life coaching clients help their whole family become more kind. And this is from Father Lawrence Lavasic's book, The Hidden Power of Kindness, one of my favorite books I've recommended for all my 20 years on the radio. And there are three don'ts and three do's. And the three don'ts for kindness, to increase your kindness, is don't speak unkindly of anyone. The second don't is don't speak unkindly to anyone. And don't act unkindly to anyone is number three. So you're probably still saying, well, what does kind look like? And I'll tell you that in a minute. So the do's for the fraternity of kindness are do speak kindly of each family member at least once a day. So say something affirming, say something good about them, not just flattery, but something maybe that you're proud of them for. Or bring up one of their good traits or thank them for something from the bottom of your heart that they did that was unusually good. So think of each, so first is speak kindly of each family member at least once a day. The second of the do's for kindness is think kindly of each family member at least once a day. So if your thoughts are, oh man, you know, he's just a, you know, begrudging old cranky person, start thinking kindness like gratitude. You know, my husband's been faithful. He stayed with us. We've raised three kids is what you said in your letter. And think of the, the, the good things that he's done. So think kindly of him once a day. And we should do that of each family member. And then so speak kindly, think kindly, and then act kindly toward each family member at least once a day. Remember those trends of of the different uh, 
hidden acts of kindness or random acts of kindness. There's even a kindness day in the secular uh, culture. And then if you commit any unkindness, if you say anything mean or sarcastic, give yourself a little punishment. Make a brief act of contrition such as, my Jesus mercy, or Lord forgive me, or Jesus I trust in you. And then offer an apology to the person. And then say a little prayer like, please bless, you know, my husband, oh Lord, um, you know, forever, whoever you've been unkind to. So let's think of ways that we can extend kindness to our spouse or to any family member. Because actually science tells us that kindness directly influences your propensity for happiness. So kindness improves your health. It increases your longevity. That's a proven biological fact. So even if you just want to be healthier or you want your husband to be healthier now that your kids are grown, you're a little bit older than you were when you first got married. So kindness is going to help you. So here's some tips um, to ha- of extensions of kindness. So do or say something to show your appreciation, like saying and doing small, simple expressions of gratitude that each, if you do that each day, it will yield big rewards. When people feel recognized as special and appreciated, they're happier in their relationship. And they're more motivated to make the relationship better and stronger. So instead of you criticizing your husband or being mean to each other, realize he's going to be happier the kinder you are to him. So the next one is never take him for granted. Men, never take your spouse for granted, your wife for granted. Most people assume because, oh, things were okay all these years um, and, uh, you know, everything must be fine with my, their, my partner as well. But no relationship is perfect and you shouldn't rationalize that away and be complacent about your marriage you might ask him like okay we've had the kids here all these years they just moved out of the house what do we do now is there any you know hidden need or you know anything that is you know any resentments you have that we need to um, be have healed or forgive each other about so then don't fight mean you know, there are, from the Gottman Institute, the, the way that, that lead us to divorce are contempt, criticism, stonewalling, or defensiveness. So eliminate those four conflicts from your uh, conversation. So don't fight with contempt, criticism, stonewalling, or defensiveness. They're the four horsemen of divorce, according to the Gottman Institute. So get those out of your vocabulary and fill it with kindness. So always try a nicer approach because research has shown that the way a problem is brought up determines how the rest of the conversation will go. So instead of attacking your partner with criticism, kill them with kindness and goodness. So those are some ideas of being kind to your spouse if you're struggling with that right now in your marriage now that your kids are grown. So thank you for that question. I'm sure it helps a lot of people. We'll be back with more of Mass Appeal in just a moment. Church has a very high view of conscience. It's, I think it was St. John Henry Newman who called conscience the aboriginal vicar of Christ. Catechism reads this way on conscience. The interior voice of a human being within whose heart the inner law of God is inscribed. Moral conscience is a judgment of practical reason about the moral quality of a human action. It moves a person at the appropriate moment to do good and to avoid evil. It offers some suggestions, uh, the Ten Commandments, the moral teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, the moral teachings of St. Paul. All of these things are used as a measure of how well we're doing. 
It is then up to the Catholic to take a look at the teaching of the Church and to see if, in fact, they are in proper communion. The idea that you can dispense with the objective moral teachings of the Church in favor of personalized conscience is lawless and anarchic. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays from 4 to 6 on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. It's time for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popcha. St. Gregory of Nazianzus once said, He who does acts of mercy should do so with cheerfulness. The grace of a good deed is doubled when it's done with promptness and speed. The best way most of us can learn this approach to Christian service is in our family lives. That's why prompt, generous, consistent, and cheerful attention to each other's needs is such an important part of the liturgy of domestic church life. Every day, ask each other this life-changing question. What's one small thing each of us can do to make each other's lives a little easier or more pleasant? Then, remember to do those things as a way of letting God's love shine out through you in your family. To discover more ways your family can celebrate the liturgy of domestic church life, check out the newest editions of Parenting with Grace and visit CatholicCounselors.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popshack, but you can call me Family Man. To discover more ways faith can enrich your life, visit CatholicCounselors.com. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mass Appeal. We cannot take any phone calls at this time. Welcome to Mass Appeal, the Saturday morning show on Catholic Radio, where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. This is an email show here, and so we've got a stack of questions. I hope we'll get to them all. And we do have a guest later, Father Robert Spitzer, on the um, help us explain the moral wisdom of the Catholic Church and explain that to others. But I did want to say something more about kindness. That was the last question that we had. But the I think I'm going to read the kindness quiz. I, I pulled it out over the break. But you've got to remember that when you're kind to others, it helps you and them. I told you that they'll be happier, but actually your brain produces feel-good hormones and neurotransmitters like serotonin, and you're able to build stronger relationships with others, and you can foster positive feelings. So be kind. Be kind to everyone. Not a fake kind of kind, but learn to, from the bottom of your heart, begin to think of others first and be kind to them. So if you're looking for ways to lengthen your life and spread um, good news, and good love and good feelings to everybody else in the world. Remember that you can perform any kind of random act of kindness anywhere and any time. Actually, there's even a random act of kindness foundation. I found him at www.actsofkindness.org and that'll help you focus on ways you haven't even thought of yet on how to be kind. So that is, I'll have to remember to post that too. Actsofkindness.org Acts of, I didn't write it down. Actsofkindness.org Okay, and I will read you the, the kindness quiz and I'll, I'll post this as well after the show so that you can have access to that and use it in your home from the Hidden Power of Kindness. So here's a quiz for you. Uh, give yourself um, from the first eight questions a point for each no and the last three questions one point for each yes and then on the sheet that I'll, I'll post for you post your score and know what you need to work on so here's the kindness quiz how kind or unkind are you first of all have I refused in my heart to forgive a person who has injured me 
Number two, have I cast a gloom over my surroundings by giving in to morose or sullen moods? Some people even that think, oh, I'm so holy, I'm just praying all the time. But if you're dragging everybody down with your bad mood, that's not holiness. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Number three on the kindness quiz. Am I inclined to be rude, impolite, distant, or harsh in my judgments? Are you always judging, impolite, harsh? Or are you rude? Okay, number four in the kindness quiz. Have I permitted gossip and petty tail-bearing to go on in my presence without making an effort to change the subject? Number five on the kindness quiz, am I a chronic complainer by habitually looking for flaws and pointing them out to others? Did you know that was unkind? Number six of the kindness quiz, do I complain about the work I have to do? Number seven on the kindness quiz, have I made cutting and sarcastic remarks to others? Number eight on the kindness quiz, have I hurt others by flare-ups of anger and impatience? Those are all things you need to work on, and we'll talk later in the show about how to work on some of those things, specifically when we talk about the Handbook of Spiritual Perfection. So in the first eight questions of this kindness quiz, you get a point for each no. Now, in the last four questions, you you get a, a point for each yes, and that is... Number nine, have I formed the habit of offering a ready thank you for small favors granted? Even if someone like opens the door for you or brings you something, even smiles at you, sometimes you can thank them for that. Number ten, do I check my impulses to avoid replying to unkind words in a spirit of revenge or to defend myself? Or do you already respond with mercy? Do I check my impulses to avoid replying to unkind words in a spirit of re- a spirit of revenge or to defend myself? Number 11 on the kindness quiz. Do I make a habit of saying encouraging words? And number 12, do I affirm the good in others by thanking them for a virtue they practiced toward me? Okay, that's your kindness quiz. I'll post it. Try to post it both places, both on my Facebook fan page and on my website at sexrespect.com or respectforyou.com. See what I can do about getting better at posting that. So that's your kindness quiz. Keep asking yourself that. And it could tie in with our first segment on your your daily prayer. Put it as part of your nightly exam or maybe your noon exam. Or maybe you can use the kindness quiz before you start your day to remind you of that. So so that's our first two topics today, our morning prayer format. Second, answering a question about being kind. Okay, the third question. We have a few minutes to start the question, and we'll finish the answer after. Dear Colleen, we have children ages 1, 6, 8, and 10. So they had three, took a little break, which is kind of common, and then a one-year-old, which I'm sure is pretty exciting for the big kids. Dear Colleen, we have children ages 1, 6, 8, and 10, and since the youngest was born a year ago, our house has been chaotic. It seems like the good things I thought the older, the good things I taught the older kids were are already gone. <laughs> no, how do I start building character in the older three, the six, eight, and ten-year-old, so they can discipline themselves better? That's from Jennifer in South Carolina. Okay, how do we help our kids discipline themselves? And that's a good question, Jennifer, because there's a difference between us disciplining the kids 
and them learning to discipline themselves. And from the time children are one year old, when they start walking, they are in some control of themselves. When they turn two years old, they're even in more control of themselves because they can then control their bowels and they can go to the toilet and things like that. They can also control their hands um, and more of their emotional reactions than they could when they were younger. So if you're talking about the 6, 8, and 10-year-old, they should be able to discipline them themselves in a lot of ways. Sometimes I'll propose a kind of a boot camp of obedience. And I have the uh, those different games that we can play, like Mother May I or Simon Says. I have an obedience chair that I have posted on my website as well on the blog section. So just sometimes playing those games and practicing those things, practicing obedience in, in Simon Says or practicing obedience in uh, you know different games that you can play or saying the obedience here or just saying to them we need to obey the first time and let's practice that. So you can sit and literally practice with them different forms of obedience and that gives them self-control rather than you yelling something at them and they either do it or don't do it. So yelling across the room is not going to help them learn obedience. So the first thing they need to learn is obedience obviously. So building their their character, um, they need some skills and they need some tools, they need a framework of elements. So the first thing that you can teach them, especially if they're 6, 8, and 10, have a little class about good manners, and this will help them discipline themselves. You know, their table manners at home, their restaurant manners if you go out, how to introduce people, how to uh, um, take a, a uh, you know, learn people's phone numbers or, or find out their email addresses if the, the older one is uh, learns email yet, how to behave in church is important and you can practice those things at home how to dress for church how to carry on conversations with people of all ages their cousins their aunts their uncles so you could have like a good manners class you know good sportsmanship if they're in sports gratitude thank you notes uh, you know after christmas and birthdays travel manners you know how to be on time so those are the kind of manners we teach them first that help them form self-discipline. So after our message, I'll talk more about discipline for self-discipline. We'll be right back with more of Mass Appeal right after this message. During the holiday season, there are many celebrations overflowing with lavish gifts and delicious food. However, at Catholic Charities of Shiawassee and Genesee Counties, we see firsthand how many families struggle to provide even the basic necessities of life. Is the Lord asking you to help with a donation to make the holidays a time of joy and comfort for those most in need in our community? To donate, visit CatholicCharitiesFlint.org. That's CatholicCharitiesFlint.org. I grew up with the Ten Commandments hanging on the wall next to my front door. I looked at them occasionally, mostly when I passed by and through the front door, but every once in a while, I would stop and stand in front of them and read them. My dad one time saw me reading them, and he asked, Do you know why I put the Ten Commandments hanging near the door? No, I replied. He said, it's so you and your sisters are reminded how to behave when you walk out that door. Seeds of faith were being planted in my heart. Today, I have the Ten Commandments in my foyer, hanging next to my front door. A reminder not only to the kids who come into my home, but for everyone else, including myself, how to behave when we walk out that door. You never know what seeds could be planted in another just by the Ten Commandments being in clear view. Anyone who walks in and out will be reminded that our house 
is a house of God, and we strive to communicate the commandments with how we live our lives. This has been a Christ Center Communication Message. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo, a communications evangelist and host of Epiphany. This week on Christ is the Answer, Father John will preach on the birth of our Lord and the call to bring Christ into our lives. It's Christmas time, and as we wind down from the preparations and generally getting wrapped up in the season, Father John wants us to remember to ask ourselves, how can we be closer to Jesus? Let's take time to reflect on the incarnation as well as the kind of person God wants us to be. Tune in for Christ is the Answer, Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mass Appeal. We cannot take any phone calls at this time. Appeal. The show is pre-recorded today, so I'm not going to get about, give out the phone number. But I've got a stack of emails here from you, so you can still get some free, friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. This is Colleen Kelly Mast. I'm a life coach and author and a speaker. And you can learn more about my work at my website at sexrespect.com or respectforyou.com. And if you have some information in the show you want to hear again or play for someone, uh, then you can go to the website AveMariaRadio.net and even play it in the archives. We are answering a question from uh, Jennifer from South Carolina who has four children ages 1, 6, 8, and 10. And since the one-year-old was born, she said the, the house has been kind of chaotic and what she thought she ta- taught the older kids is already gone. So she wants to rebuild or build their character at ages 6, 8, and 10. So when she's chasing around the one-year-old or they're chasing around the one-year-old, um, they can discipline themselves better. So actually helping the 6, 8, the 10, six, eight and 10-year-old, helping out with the one-year-old is a wonderful thing to do, to give them certain responsibilities. You help the, the one-year-old with this or with that particular thing. But about... Um, discipline, helping them discipline themselves. Organize your household and even your time schedule for orderliness. Orderliness is a virtue that our kids need to learn. They need to learn first obedience and then orderliness. And so that they have personal discipline. And, you know, the older ones probably have some homework. Um, Probably everybody by now has some chores, have simple chores that they can do at their age and insist that they do them, have a certain time for chores. This all helps build self-discipline. A time for prayer, um, you know, a time to, uh, to learn how to have fun with each other that's not just on a screen. And so organize your, your house and your time schedule so they can discipline themselves in all those areas. Because the goal of discipline isn't that the kids depend on us as a parent for them to behave, but they learn to behave because that's what God wants of them. And that's what's going to make them happy. As I said in the beginning of the show, in the book of Isaiah, mm. what, um, we read that God says that obedience to his law is for our good. Mm. And tell the kids that too. They're going to be happier when they obey. That's how God made us. And you're going to be happier too as their mom. And tell them they want to glorify God with their life. That God is with them. God loves them. And he made them to be happy by disciplining themselves. So... 
discipline also needs to include immediate consequences because they're going to fail, they're going to slip up, sometimes, you know, because they're mean and resentful or angry and they have to learn how to manage that anger or, or feeling in another way and sometimes just because they're a kid and they can't control themselves that well. So there should be some logical immediate consequence that should fit whatever they did. For example, if they were whining and crying all the time, uh, immediate consequence would be to take a nap. I mean, go to your room and take a nap because you're tired. Or maybe you need to think of what you're feeding them. Are they having enough protein, enough green leafy vegetables, or is, so they're getting all the vitamins and minerals that they need. And and if they don't want to take a nap or they're too old to take a nap, like the 6, 8, and 10-year-olds, you could just, uh, here's something that I've done. While you're there, if you like whining and crying, this is how I try to make the punishment match the offense. While you're there, since you're so good at whining and crying, why don't you make up a song? And, and kids like to do this, even if they're 6 or 8, you know, they can do this well. Make up a song um, or um, a play to express yourself. So tell us what you're feeling. And, or you can write a little poem if you're 10 and make up a song that, that tell us what you're feeling and then tell us how we can be happy. So let them, if they do a lot of whining, have them either take a nap or write a song. And if they're doing something like uh, fidgeting at the dinner table, have them get down and do some push-ups. Burn that energy. You know, if they're always late, never on time, give them, a, you know, if they're running late in the mornings, they're not ready for school. Move their bedtime up an hour. Cancel the sports if that's needed. So, and then you can have them practice getting up with an alarm because as a mom, you do not want them to depend on you to wake them up the rest of their life. It's better for a, a child if they're that old, six, eight, or ten, to have a little alarm clock and they get themselves up with an alarm. That's an important part of character development. If they have a messy room, if it's so messy, to say, <clears throat> I asked you to clean your room today. You didn't do it. So you don't use your room today. You can sleep in the hall and just get them a little blanket, you know, and they can sleep out in the hall on the floor until they clean their room. They do something simple like that, and they'll remember that forever and probably clean their room. But if they do something like blatant disobedience or disrespect, you know, rolling their eyes, talking back, sassy, you know, slamming a door, you know, walking away when you're talking, that they need something immediate, one, to change their energy, and something then to remind them of what they have done wrong and the seriousness of it. So I would give them like 20 jumping jacks right away. So that's an immediate discipline. They'll learn to discipline themselves because they know they have an instant consequence. If you're just saying, oh, you shouldn't do that or stop that or um, why are you guys doing that all the time, they're not going to stop doing it. They're going to let you nag and discipline them. But if you want them to discipline themselves, have an immediate consequence that they don't like, which might be 20 jumping jacks, or it might be a total blackout, depending on what they did, a blackout of, um, you know, you don't get to uh, eat dinner with everybody else. You um, you can have this uh, protein shake or something like that, and then stay in your room and no, you know, TV or screens or tablets or, you know, phones or computer or anything like that. And so they're, they're living in silence. And then tell them while they're there, instead of building up their resentments when they're in this blackout time after they've done their 20 jumping jacks, then they can do some drawing, coloring, write a poem or 100-word short story if they're the older one about being respectful 
and being a kind child. So they can have a, a punishment that will help them do some of the reparation. You know, if they're writing a poem about how to obey, or writing a story about a respectful and kind child, in their quiet time, they're not going to be sitting there building resentment. I hate you, Mom. What are you doing? You give them a job to do while they're in their blackout. So, um, so those are ideas of just how to give a, a immediate kind of punishment, one that is probably physical and another one that is mental for them so that they learn to discipline themselves because they'll want to avoid that punishment. All right, those are some ideas for that question. Hope that helps you, Jennifer. Help the older kids try to discipline themselves. We'll be back with more of your questions, and the next one's going to be fun right after this message. The Catholic Church teaches that Jesus Christ is literally and wholly present, body and blood, soul and divinity, under the appearances of bread and wine. St. John the Apostle records the John chapter 6 Bread of Life discourse in which Jesus states that his flesh is true food and his blood true drink. Who better to understand John's writings and subsequent teachings than a disciple and student of John, St. Ignatius of Antioch? In his letter to the Smyrnians in 110 A.D., Ignatius writes, I have no taste for corruptible food, nor for the pleasures of this life. I desire the bread of God, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ. And for drink, I desire his blood, which is love incorruptible. The Catholic Church absolutely follows St. John and St. Ignatius in taking Jesus at his word. Examining the truths of the Catholic faith, this is faithforensics.org. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio weekdays on Ave Maria Radio. Learn and spread the word about the food, clothing, parenting classes, financial assistance that these resource centers provide moms, and not just for a few weeks after the baby is born, but often for up to four years after birth. Don't assume that just because you haven't heard about pro-life resources or efforts that they don't or aren't available or that the church hasn't been involved. The media, and I know this firsthand from my years of experience, have been working with the abortion industry to suppress information about resources as well as totally misrepresent or blatantly lie about what the pro-life community offers moms and families in need. And last but not least, do some homework and prayerfully give thanks to these pro-life warriors and consider becoming a pro-life warrior yourself. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tanya weekday mornings from 8 to 10 on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mass Appeal. We cannot take any phone calls at this time. Welcome to Mass Appeal, the Saturday morning show on Catholic Radio, where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. This is Colleen Kelly Mass, your hostess every Saturday, and today we have a brand new pre-recorded show for you that is based on a lot of your email questions. We've already talked about, uh, somebody asked me about my spiritual habits of the day, my prayer habits, about being kindier to your spouse, a question about kids' uh, 
disciplining, learn to discipline themselves. And, and now we have a, another question that I'll probably take to the top of this hour. Uh, next hour we're going to talk about probably those, like, how do I stop this habitual sin? We'll do a little spiritual direction and life coaching. And we also will have a guest uh, next hour on, um, from Father Robert Spitzer on how to defend the moral teachings of the church. So I'm excited about that. But here's the ne- your next email question. Dear Colleen, can you give us some reasons or facts to explain the evil of the transgender movement? So I kind of laughed when I when I uh, when she said in this note um, reasons or facts, and I do have a ton of scientific facts. I could go, go on for an hour about that, and maybe I'll even post that article. Write myself another note. Um, the facts on and whatever ones I don't get to, get to this this segment, I will post on the website. Writing myself a note again, and but but really when we use common sense we know there are differences between the the genders like if you throw a little girl a ball it's going to hit her in the nose you have to train her to play ball but you throw a little boy a ball he's going to try to catch it automatically i had four boys and one girl but you know then he tries to catch it it probably does hit him in the nose if he's small um but but when you dress a little girl for example in her easter sunday clothes she's going to look just as pretty by the time you make it to church an hour later you dress a boy in his easter sunday best and he'll somehow find every mud puddle from your home to the church even if you're driving there and I can tell you this so many times I actually had my son made his first communion it was on Divine Mercy Sunday the week after Easter so I had him wear this suit on Easter and also then on his first communion and I thought well, we'll keep it clean it's going to be on for an hour and he literally did trip over the sidewalk walking from the religious ed building to the church fell in the mud not only got the, his first communion suit dirty but ripped a hole through the knee the first time he wore it so luckily I was uh, I got it at a store that guaranteed that they they would for, they would always return if anything happened that damaged that suit that they, you could return it and they'd get another one the same size I had to go back like honest he only had it one day okay so a difference like uh, if a little girl picks up a stick and looks in wonderment at what nature has made hmm, stick a boy will pick it up and turn it into a gun and no matter how many times you're trying to get them to be unviolent they will my boys would chew their toast into guns you know there's something inside boys and girls that makes them different and kids today they play a lot of those fantasy games you know in person and their video game machines and they can create characters choose you know their race color class skills and that is a fantasy game and that's temporary and that expands their imagination and most children know the difference between fantasy and reality they accept the truth but this transgender problem is serious when we don't know the difference between fantasy and reality between what's true and what's contrived because deep down inside themselves a gender confused person hates who they are and they're trying to escape from it so it's a terrible experience to hate yourself since you can't run away from yourself so this self-hating person deserves some psychological care you know so they need to understand that they can't change their gender with their feelings or with their opinion because these behavioral differences are rooted in us so back before this transgender craze got so bad back in the years 2000 to 2015 I remember reading a lot of research that showed this growing pile of evidence there's inherent differences in how men's and women's brains are wired and how they work so the brains are different so there was an article called sex differences in cognitive abilities and social sciences 
and sociologists, they would they poo pooed the notion of any fundamental cognitive differences until they did these studies. It seemed that there was different thinking abilities. There's a lot of data pointing to the biological basis of sex-based cognitive differences. In this one study, first of just for monkeys, for example, males strongly preferred toys with wheels over plush toys, whereas females found plush toys likable. So in the, you can't say that monkeys' parents uh, formed that in them. So also in another study, women excel in several measures of verbal ability, pretty much all of them, and women's reading comprehension and writing ability consistently exceeds that of men on average. They outperform men in tests of fine motor coordination, perceptual speed. They're more adept at retrieving information from long-term memory, and men husbands know that. Like, I remember when you did this. The women do that. Men, on average, can more easily juggle items in working memory. So it's a different way they use their memory. They have superior visual-spatial skills. They're better at visualizing what happens when a complicated two- or three-dimensional shape is rotating in space. So men have uh, different cognitive abilities and little boys do as well when you see sex differences in spatial visualization in two and three month old kids infant girls respond more readily to faces begin talking earlier boys react earlier in infancy to experimentally induced perception discrepancies there's a long list of behavioral tendencies that are different in male and female women are more twice 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 as likely as men to experience clinical depression in their lifetimes men are twice as likely to become alcoholic or drug dependent, 40% more likely to develop schizophrenia. Boys' dyslexia rate is 10 times that of girls. They're four or five times as likely to get the diagnosis of autism. The neuroscience literature is huge on the differences between male and female brains, which affects their behavior. The article that, um, one article I'll try to post is called Two Minds, The Cognitive Differences Between Men and Women. So I'll try to post that on my blog on my website at sexrespect.com or respectforyou.com but you can check in the Journal of Neuroscience Research um, women's hippocampus that's critical to learning and memorization is larger than a man's and works differently. A, a man's amygdala, that's associated with the experience of emotions and the recollection of the experiences, is bigger than a woman's, and it also works differently. That's why your son probably has anger issues and why men have to work harder to manage their anger. So women have stronger, more vivid memories of emotional events that men, than men do. The two hemispheres of a woman's brain talk to each other more than a man's do. It can go on and on, but our brains do differ. You know, Another key variable stems from the chromosome, XX, female, XY, male. So you cannot change yourself no matter how you feel from a man to a woman or a woman to a man. There's so much more to that. We'll be back with more of Mass Appeal and more of your questions after this message. Weekdays at 10 a.m., there's more to life. We want to help you celebrate the life you were meant to live. The truth is, God wants so much more for your life and relationships. We want to help you cooperate with His grace and get all that He wants to give you. Weekdays at 10 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. 
It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. This is Life News Radio. I'm Jim Anderson. An abortion industry lawsuit is preventing enforcement of abortion bans in Florida. The situation sounds like there is a credible need for concerted prayer. First, the state Supreme Court is only reviewing the first of two state abortion bans. Then, abortion numbers are up. And lastly, abortion advocates are working feverishly to amend Florida's Constitution, reverse both bans, and allow unlimited abortion. Mental health professionals say Canada's offer of medically assisted suicide to those struggling with mental health will undermine both sound therapy and efforts at suicide prevention. The New York Times is reporting that Canada will, beginning in March, offer medical aid in dying to the mentally ill. It's been seven years since Canada first legalized assisted suicide. This is Life News Radio. Prayer is essential. Without it, God acts, and we are merely puppets on strings. So your participation in creating a new culture of life is not merely important, it is critical. Take the time to find silence. Seek to learn how God views human life and pray. A culture of life depends on your life in God. Pray for a culture of life. In other stories, Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro will defund state funding of abortion alternatives on January 1st. The Real Alternatives program is seeking private donations. And a suburban D.C. abortion provider is lamenting both the end of Roe v. Wade abortion protections and a recent drop in numbers for gruesome late-term abortions. Life News Radio is an affiliate of LifeNews.com and depends on your support of this radio station. Be sure you include this station in your end-of-year giving. This has been Life News Radio. 990 WDEO, Ypsilanti, Detroit, W300CO Dexter, and Ave Maria Radio Station, and on the net at AveMariaRadio.net. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mass Appeal. We cannot take any phone calls at this time. Appeal, the Saturday morning show on Catholic Radio, where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. This is Colleen Kelly Mast, your hostess today and every week on Saturday mornings here on Catholic Radio. Our show is produced by Ave Maria Radio and brought to you by the EWTN, Global Catholic Radio Network, as well as Sirius Channel 130 and all your local channels. And today is a pre-recorded show, and so I won't be taking your call.
calls or giving out the phone number, but we'll be answering your questions as we did on the first hour. And I have a stack of questions. I know we got to many of those first hour, and we'll cover some of those this hour as well. And have an amazing interview. I'm so looking forward to interviewing Father Robert Spitzer about his new book, The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church, A Defense of Her Controversial Moral Teachings. I mean, this is amazing what he's done. Many of you are familiar with Father Spitzer and his shows on EWTN and much of his work back from the book Healing the Culture that I know I read years ago. And he has all the sociological and statistical background to help us defend the Catholic Church teaching. So that will come up this hour as well. But for now, uh, stay tuned. I'm going to be answering some more of your email questions. Again, this is Colleen Kelly Mass. This is Mass Appeal. My background is in family life education. I'm a life coach, and I'm the author of several books, Love and Life, Sex Respect, and the new Love Ed video discussion series that empowers parents to have conversations that might not be so comfortable for them. Uh, allows them empowers them to have conversations with their children, their preteens, and their teens. You can learn more about my work at my website, sexrespect.com or respectforyou.com. But for now, we'll go back to um, one of the big email questions that I what, didn't get to last hour before we get to our interview with Father Spitzer. I got an email from a guy named it says Jose. He says, how do I get out of being tangled in sins that I keep committing? And that comes up on the show every once in a while, but it's something that all of us um, face, I believe. And he says, I'm a 42-year-old man, and I get embarrassed repeating the same sins over and over. I do not seem to be making progress. He says, gracias. Jose, okay, Jose, Um, yeah, that is a challenge. When we get to the point where we're confessing regularly and we see we are not making progress or we're coming back with the same things, we have to look more deeply as to how, when, why we're committing it. Are we looking to a specific need? Sometimes I help a lot of my life coaching clients with that same thing. Actually, a couple of my clients were sent to me by their confessors. They said, you either need counseling or coaching to overcome this particular fault. So there are ways that we can uproot a particular sin. And there are some ideas that I know in a a book I've had for probably 20 years, A Handbook of Spiritual Perfection by Philip Dion. That's a wonderful translation book, translated book. And I believe it is published by Sophia Institute Press. And I think you can get it on uh, the EWTN uh, bookstore, but um, so that's one help. But what we want to do when we're trying to overcome a particular sin is get into a fighting shape by disciplining our bodies. So we get into fighting shape because we know we're fighting sin, and we can't just take it easy and say, "Oh, that's my weakness." We can fight sin. We can fight mortal sin. We can fight venial sin. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches us that by self-denial. The faithful can uproot sin in our lives and be truly free. And it quotes St. Ambrose who said that when a person is able to rule his passions, he will not let himself, 
self be imprisoned by sin or thrown headlong into wickedness. That's in the Catechism number 908. So an example that we have in the tradition of the church is fasting and abstinence from food. That's a way that we get into fighting shape. It's a way we discipline our body. But some people wait till Lent just to do that and only do it once a year. But we can get into fighting shape by fasting and abstinence any time. Uh, particularly because people are moved by food, you know, and some pe- people move by food more than others. <laughs> some people eat more than what is necessary for their health and might indulge in, you know, too many desserts. We talked about that earlier and, and sugar and Um, We might get into cravings, whether it's chocolate or bread or salty snacks. But we work with our own strength and the grace of God when we're trying to change a habit. So a a strong person who's strengthened their will and gotten into fighting shape with the proper fasting and abstinence, that person has the strength to, to give up food at any time, but a weak person gives in. So by denying the body then spiritually we can become stronger. Our will becomes stronger. Our soul becomes stronger. And we can better address the problem of this particular sin. So fasting and abstinence is a start. I know that on Fridays we no longer are required to abstain from meat. But what the church said after Vatican II, when they told us we didn't have to abstain from meat on Friday, they said select an appropriate penance, something else to abstain from, to do on Friday. And people just heard, okay, you can have meat on Fridays now. And they didn't prepare themselves to do some kind of fasting or abstinence. So that's one thing that you can do. Another practical element in uprooting a particular sin, or to avoid that sin, is to avoid the near occasion of sin. So we, we say that often for people who use a particular form of the act of contrition. Uh, I promise to avoid the near occasion of sin and in our father we ask god to lead us not into temptation so what this means is that we have to choose to stay out of situations where a person might be inclined to commit that sin so i used to work with this with teenagers all the time and in my sex respect book i have several ideas on that to avoid the near occasions of sexual sin in my love and life Christian Sexual Morality Guide, Parents Guide. I talk about fasting and disciplining yourself for fasting and avoiding pornography and sexual sins. So the example you know, would be then uh, unmarried couples that have struggles with chastity. They can avoid overly physical affection. They can try not to be alone together sitting and watching a movie in a dark room by yourself. That's not a good idea if you're trying to avoid sins against chastity. So so use your common sense, you know, to avoid occasions of sin because then that reduces your chance of committing the sin. And Jose in his uh, email did not say exactly what sin he was committing, but Think about the circumstances. You know, it's common sense. Avoiding the occasions of sin reduces the chance of us committing the sin. So the less we commit the sin, the more we have virtue in our life and the more virtuous we become. So another way to help overcome particular sins besides fasting and abstinence and avoiding the near occasion of sin is to frequent the sacraments. We can do all we can do, but we still are not everything. We're not that strong. God gives us the grace. Frequent mass has the effect of separating us from past sins and preserving us from future sins. And the Catechism again says, by giving himself to us, 
Christ revives our love and enables us to break our disordered attachments to creatures and root ourselves in him. So that's Catechism, Article 1394, number, and number 1391 to 95. So think of going to Mass. The graces that we receive help us with that self-discipline that we need with strengthening our will. Then frequent confession is a strong source of grace. So think about regular confession of our venial sins that helps us form our conscience, fight against evil tendencies, let ourselves be healed by Christ, and progress in the life of the Spirit. That's Catechism number 1458. So there are available means right within the church of avoiding narrow occasions of sin so we don't have to keep committing it. So in addition to that, like I told you that a number of people that I have as life coaching clients, their confessor tells them, you know, get a coach or a counselor, somebody helps you overcome this. So if you need a good spiritual director um, or a good life coach, um, you can find one, you know, select carefully, someone who's truly Catholic. I know there's a website for spiritual direction, spiritualdirection.com, that's connected to Divine Intimacy Radio um, through EWTN. There's also a website called Catholic Spiritual Direction org where they'll even offer email or telephone spiritual direction so um, a, a good spiritual director would be a priest that's known for his vocation to the confessional and also an order priest who might receive spiritual direction himself so you know where there are good faithful priests so so we need to um, get some help sometimes but we also first need to help ourselves so those are some basic ideas for Jose to um, to avoid um, the near occasion of sin, to overcome repeating that same sin over and over if you don't seem to be making progress. So we're going to go to our break now, and we have some more ideas on that from that book I mentioned, The Handbook of Spiritual Perfection, on how to root out and make daily resolutions to keep you in a very particular way, in a positive way, not just saying, I'm not going to do this today, but how to face temptation. So how do we face temptation and win by the grace of God? obviously using the sacraments and uh, utilizing the graces of the sacraments. And so we'll go to our break now, and I'll be right back with some more particular ways um, to prepare ourselves to face temptations and win. We'll be back with more of Mass Appeal right after this message. Today's programming on 990 WDEO is brought to you in part by a gift from our day sponsors, Gary and Cindy Hunter, who are celebrating their 45th wedding anniversary and joyful Thanksgiving for the gift of this precious vocation and for the gift of their family. They pray for all married couples who place Christ at the center of their marriage. You can be a day sponsor too. Call toll-free 1-877-288-1077 and say, I want to be a day sponsor. I stopped myself from asking a question. It was tough for me as a trained reporter and communications coach who asks who, what, when, where, how, and why often. I stopped myself short of asking a question about a particular person because I realized the conversation was not going to be fruitful. I really didn't need to know the answer, and it risked me going down a gossipy kind of conversation. In James 3.6, we understand that the small may produce small words. 
but those small words could create a big fire. I might have asked what seemed an innocent question, but in reality, I knew that the answer was going to make a particular person look bad. Good reporters, good lawyers are trained to ask questions they already know the answer to. The answer I knew existed was not fruitful. I knew in my heart it was a question out of curiosity, not out of care or concern. So before you ask the question, think to yourself, where would this conversation lead? This has been a Christ Center Communication Message. I'm Vanessa Denha-Garmo, a communications evangelist and host of Epiphany. Ever thought you'd make a bundle by trading in or selling your used vehicle only to find out it's worth a dinner for two? Well, it's much more valuable to donate your vehicle to Ave Maria Radio. Thousands of Americans donate their vehicle each year. The donation to Ave Maria is easy, tax-deductible, and supports our efforts to evangelize. A year from now, will you remember that dinner or your gracious and selfless donation? Go to AveMariaRadio.net to find out more. That's AveMariaRadio.net. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mass Appeal. We cannot take any phone calls at this time. the Saturday morning show on Catholic Radio, where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. I'm not giving out the phone number today as I usually do, because this is a pre-recorded show. I'm answering a lot of your emails, and we'll have an amazing guest coming up soon, Father Robert Spitzer, talking about the moral wisdom of the Catholic Church and statistics and reasons for you to defend the beauty of the Catholic teachings and how it affirms humanity for people that you know that are wrapped up in sin and think the Catholic Church is just a bunch of rules. Stay tuned for that. I'm looking forward to it as well. But right now, we're talking about our own personal lives. How do we get um, to the point where we can fight against temptation and resist sin? So I had answered uh, Jose's question at first with the various means to do that for those of you that are joining us now. But I also want to um, get, give you some tips from A Handbook of Spiritual Perfection by Father Vil. Philip E. Dion is published by Sophia Institute Press. And so Father Dion says that your resolutions need to be um, particular when you're trying to overcome a predominant fault. So he says you can't say, um, you know, today I resolve to be charitable, or today I resolve to be better, or today I resolve to be patient. He said you're wasting your breath on generic resolutions. He said you might as well save it for something useful, but unless we specify and particularize and challenge ourselves with the details of the resolution, we won't succeed in carrying it out, he says. So think of what your dominant sin is, what that sin is, like in Jose's letter, that he commits over and over and is getting embarrassed to come in week after week in the confessional or month after month with the same thing. So Father Dion says, we must try to foresee in, in our morning meditation the precise time today we're likely to be tempted in this way. Because really, if you're not paying attention, the devil can trip you up and you've got these habits in your mind. So if you're trying to change a bad habit, even of a venial sin, you think, when am I tempted so if we're trying to overcome a fault so look into resolution in the morning when we're likely to be uncharitable for example where are you under what circumstances or when we're likely to be tempted to entertain your cynicism or be impatient or to be proud or stubborn or something like that like when are you tempted to do that 
Is it after breakfast? Is it while you're doing work? Is it while you're rushing out the door getting ready? Is it in a class? Is it during commercials of your TV show and you think the TV is more important than what someone is trying to talk to you about? Or like, when is it? When are you tempted? And if you can pinpoint that, then you can make a resolution, for example, that would say, well, this is a, a is a quote from Father Dion. He says, here's a more specific resolution. He said, at 8 o'clock this morning during my chores, or at 10 o'clock at my office, or at 11 o'clock in class, when I am tempted to do such and such, I will resolve to fill in the blank. And then decide what you resolve to do. And your resolution should be positive. You know, you can't say, like, I'm not going to be impatient, I'm not going to be stubborn. You have to be positive. You have to place your trust in God, because, you know, without Him we can do nothing. And when we receive that temptation, we pray. You know, so no matter what fault we're trying to overcome, our resolution during morning prayers should first be pray when we receive the temptation. Be aware of the temptation. So you could say in your resolution, for example, this morning at 8 o'clock, when I'll be tempted to give my wife or husband a sharp answer I will pray this particular prayer like Jesus I trust in you Lord have mercy on me a specific prayer and then right then and there in your meditation time you prepare for that when this happens I'm tempted to do this this is the prayer I'm going to say and you precisely decide which prayer or aspiration you want to say when you're tempted So then you ask your guardian angel to help you to face that temptation and you can make up a prayer or use one that you already know but it needs to be something quick maybe a memorized scripture I have some scriptures memorized that I utilize for that and then you prepare yourself with your resolution in the morning to face that temptation so so he says, uh, Father Dion says, there's a step further to go, and it can be made clear in this manner. He said, all the process of devising our resolution bears a striking analogy to a fire drill. He says, the purpose of a fire drill is to predetermine in the calmness of a non-emergency situation precisely what's to be done when the emergency breaks out, where the exits are located, an escape path is plotted, the location of the alarm box is noted, the fire extinguishers are spotted, so the firemen are so ready. He said if we wait till the confusion of... You know, that moment, we're trying to decide what to do or how to escape, it'll be disastrous. So the same comes true when we're trying to face a temptation. If you know your regular sin that you confess each time, determine what to do during the temptation like it's going to be a fire drill. You know, so know when it's going to happen. Uh, pray until the temptation has passed and resolve to say what prayer you particularly select and say it over and over till that the fire is out, till the fire of that temptation is overcome. Like, I want to say this sarcastic comment, or I want to be impatient, but I'm going to pray, Jesus, I trust in you, Jesus, I trust in you, until you overcome that temptation. Maybe it's to anger or uh, spouting off at the mouth. So then motivate yourself to carry out your resolution. And this is a fun part, because I love like giving myself punishments or motivations. So if we want to please God, um, we can do some kind of reparation or have some supernatural motive. So propose to ourselves a supernatural motive for carrying out the resolution. Like maybe there's a friend that you're trying to bring back to the faith or your child is away from the faith. And your motivation to say this prayer and resist this temptation is to offer it up for this particular intention that you have or maybe for health and healing. 
And then here's another fun recommendation he has. He says, assign yourself a penance to do if you fail to carry out your resolution. So, like, if you really mean that we're going to give up this sin for the sake of God and you're really serious about it, you know, you can add to your resolution a consequence. So you can say to yourself in the morning at your meditation, if I fail to do this, I fail to resist the temptation or fail to do my little penance or fail to say the prayer when I'm tempted, um, I will give this particular penance to myself. Like, I cannot have any snacks today, for example. Or I need to say all my prayers kneeling down instead of sitting. You know, or find some kind of penance that you know is a, uh, something that you would give as a little consequence to yourself if you miss it. So... That might be the deterrent to us at the time of temptation. So um, overcome the temptation is sometimes easier than doing this penance that you give yourself. So those are elements of a good resolution. Foresee the time, foresee the place, foresee the circumstances, and the action that you will do, and then the motive, and put them together. And he has a sample resolution like this. He says... This morning at 8 o'clock, when my coworker Bob comes into my office and starts boasting about his promotion and poking fun at my job, I am tempted to tell Bob what I think of him, and I will say, Virgin, most prudent, pray for me. And I'll say it over and over until I've conquered the temptation. And I'm going to do this to show my love for you, O Lord Jesus Christ. So, if we make these resolutions really particular part of the difficulty of your examination of conscience is going to disappear because all you have to ask yourself later is did I follow my resolution <laughs> so so think about that think about um, how we practice uh, you know resisting a physical temptation like that but there might be other interior virtues that we're trying to grow in so if we saw that we were facing a particular temptation and we saw that it was a p- temptation to pride or vanity or, or laziness we need to root out our faults by practicing the opposite virtue so set resolutions to practice the virtue when you are tempted a particular, like if you are tempted to something like pride or self-complacency or a lack of recollection, um, you know, or dissipation, just not paying attention to God, you know, or maybe a tendency to discouragement, um, that you will tackle that interior fault by practicing the opposite virtue. Like, for example, if you have a, a virtue, a fault of complacency, you can practice praise Um, But not flattery, you know, praise God rather than uh, look to, uh, you know, honor a person or flatter a person. Or if we love flattery, we'll uh, humble ourselves in a way. So we could make a resolution like this. Each time this morning I find myself thinking about myself as something quite wonderful or hear somebody say anything about me and I'm tempted to be complacent, I will make an act of humility by saying this prayer, not to us, O Lord, not to us but to thy name give glory. That's from Psalm 113. Or, I refer everything to you, not to me, O Lord, but to you. And I will say this prayer over and over again until that temptation has passed. Or maybe you have an internal fault of giving way to discouragement or negativity. You know, in that event, you can resolve something like this. Every time I'm tempted to feel discouraged this morning, I'm going to make an act of trust in God. 
by saying, Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place my trust in Thee. Or, Dear Lord, I trust in You completely. Or, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Or, you know, and then repeat this prayer over and over until the temptation has passed. So think of the temptations that you face. Think of the, uh, when this occurs, whether it's an external temptation, you know, eating something you shouldn't eat on a fasting day, or eating something you shouldn't eat for your own health, or speaking to someone unkindly, or an interior fault of of pride, or uh, laziness, or self Uh, complacency, um, discouragement or negativity, grumbling, all those different things. Think of how to avoid this sin by being ready for it, saying a particular prayer, and then you will have the grace of the sacraments, as we talked about earlier, the practice of disciplining yourself in fasting, and then a new practice of making a resolution each day that prepares you for exactly when that's going to happen, what you're going to do when it's going to happen, how to pray, and how to resist those temptations to sin. And we'll be on that next level of spiritual perfection. Again, the name of that book is by Father Dion, A Handbook of Spiritual Perfection. So that's ideas on how to root out your root sin, answering Jose question so we don't confess the same things over and over. And believe me, God will reveal to us that next layer that we need to overcome towards spiritual perfection. We'll be back with more of Mass Appeal in a moment. It's time for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popcha. Good discipline is an important part of raising healthy, happy, godly kids, but it can be hard to know what good discipline really looks like. St. John Bosco developed an approach to child-rearing we call discipleship discipline. Discipleship discipline helps kids understand the good intentions behind their bad behaviors and gives them opportunities to learn and practice meeting those intentions in more virtuous, effective ways. Discipleship discipline helps kids come to see their parents as loving mentors who can help them meet all their needs in healthy, godly ways. That's one reason that discipleship discipline is such an important part of the liturgy of domestic church life. To discover more ways your family can celebrate the liturgy of domestic church life, check out the newest editions of Parenting with Grace and visit CatholicCounselors.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popshack, but you can call me Family Man. To discover more ways faith can enrich your life, visit CatholicCounselors.com. Is there a universal call to prayer? The Catholic Catechism tells us man is in search of God. God, in the act of creation, called every being into existence from nothingness. Even after man sinned and lost his likeness to God, he remained an image of his Creator and never lost his desire for the one who called him into existence. All religions attest to man's essential search for God. The Catechism points out, however, that God calls us first to that mysterious encounter, prayer. God always initiates. Man's first step in the process is to respond. Prayer is a reciprocal call. Throughout the whole history of salvation, the covenant drama unfolds. The revelation of prayer in the Old Testament comes between the fall and the restoration of man. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mass Appeal. We cannot take any phone calls at this time.
Radio, the Saturday morning live show on Catholic Radio, where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. But today we're not live. We have a pre-recorded show. This is Colleen Kelly-Mast. I'm a life coach, a speaker, and an author. You can learn more about my work at my website, sexrespect.com or respectforyou.com. And now that we've answered many of your email questions on this pre-recorded show, I have the honor of interviewing Father Robert Spitzer. I am just almost breathless just to think that he would be here with us on Mass Appeal. And I know many of you regular EWTN listeners are quite familiar with Father Spitzer and his work, but some of our Saturday morning listeners are a new audience. They aren't always familiar, so I will introduce him in the the amazing book that he just completed for us that we're going to keep right next to our Bible and our catechism there. Father Robert Spitzer is the the president of the Magis Center of Reason and Faith and the Spitzer Center, and he was the president of God. Gonzaga University from 1998 to 2009 is the author of many books. You hear him on EWTN talking about all these wonderful, brilliant teachings. I have them up on my pedestal. Uh, we were just talking about humility before the break, but I have them up there with like Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI and Father Robert Spitzer is up there in my mind with the great thinkers of today's modern day. And he, I read his book a long time ago, Healing the Culture of told people a lot about the four levels of happiness and so I'm just so honored to have Father Robert Spitzer here today to talk to us about his new book The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church Are you here on the line, Father? Yes, I am Father, thank you so much for coming here this morning to to speak to all our Mass Appeal listeners because this is something we all need and we all want and so as I introduce uh, Father Spitzer, I'm going to introduce his book a little bit uh, back on page 23. Father, this is the, the, the only book I ever read in even the first half hour. I have 20 post-it notes on the sides of so many things that we can use and that we need. But he said the purpose of this volume, The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church, a defense of her controversial moral teaching. He said, first and foremost is to help educators, particularly high school and college, and help catechists, particularly confirmation programs, to help parents and other church leaders, and I'm going to include grandparents in that too, to give a rational defense of the major controversial moral teachings on the basis of significant consequences to emotional health, individual identity, marriage and family, the culture, and society. And so Father Spitzer has done an amazing amount of research to, to help us defend the church teachings and teach them well so people can understand why to follow them. Is that kind of what you were trying to do here, Father? Absolutely. My key worry is that people are unfairly writing off the Catholic Church teaching as being kind of anachronistic, out of date, out of step uh, with the mainstream of the culture. Well, of course, it is out of step with the mainstream of the culture. But unfortunately, if you follow the mainstream of the culture, what I wanted to prove with only secular uh, studies. So these would come from universities, the archives of general psychiatry, or a general uh, survey polling like the Pew survey, etc. Tried to use these secular sources to show that if you disobey the church's teaching uh, on the 12 most controversial subjects, that'd be homosexual lifestyle, cohabitation, uh, transgenderism, pornography, um, abortion, um, uh, then uh, 
you know, the uh, the other smaller uh, issues, like, well, physician assisted suicide not a smaller issue, but yeah. fertilization, <laughs> etc. If you disobey those teachings, you're going to wind up having tremendously lower, I'm talking about two to three times lower, emotional health that would be manifest in depression, anxiety, fear of loss of esteem. It would be antisocial aggressivity, suicidal contemplation, suicides themselves, and, and uh, um, substance abuse and familial tensions. I mean, these are all documented correlations. And so you, you start looking at this and you go, no kidding. And not only that, these secular studies look at spiritual health. So, for example, the Pew survey did a, a, you know, a, a survey. And what happens when you um, uh, enter into a homosexual lifestyle? Uh, you have twice the possibility of, of declaring yourself an atheist, half the possibility of praying, half the possibility of going to church, etc. These are self-declarations, uh, of course. So, uh, you know, why would, uh, in a legitimate poll, why would people declare themselves to believe? this but you can see it it's a huge downturn or you talk about pornography if you want a huge decrease in spiritual health you can correlate with this new university of oklahoma study you can show the longer you watch pornography the more likely you are not to pray not to go to religious mm. services not to believe in god etc and the greater the depression level uh, will be. <clears throat> so it's both this tandem result right, of both emotional health and um, uh, spiritual health are going to go into rapid decline. Whereas, of course, if you follow the church's teaching on these um, you know, controver- so-called controversial issues, because the church is written off as insensitive, etc., mm-hmm. uh, if you follow the church's teaching, you can expect a, a real increase uh, in emotional health, spiritual health, and on the issues that touch upon marriage and family, an increase in relational health and marital health. And I just went through issue after issue, and I went through probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 different secular studies um, from, you know, like I said, uh, archives of general psychiatry, various university studies, various um, uh, scientific studies, medical studies, I mean, in the Netherlands, and, mm. you know, the Pew Survey, Harris oh. Survey, Gallup Survey. Yeah, I read that part about the Netherlands, and in countries that are more liberal, you know, where mm-hmm. people in this country will say if you know, people... You know, wanted to be homosexual, for example, or transgender, and the, the problems of depression are caused by the society not accepting them. So I read your study in there that said that when you looked at studies in other countries that's very accepting, you found that the, the same results occurred. So you got studies from all over the world to show that this, you know, these, this life of sin, in a way, that we know as Catholics leads to depression, anxiety, substance abuse, you know, suicidal contemplation, and it's not society fault it's the way it's written in the human person so i guess we could conclude, conclude by saying god does know everything doesn't he that oh, people would be remarkable. led to believe that with the statistics proving it Oh, yeah. Well, the fact is you can vindicate uh, Jesus' teaching with secular studies. You know, and I began to see the trend again and again. And when I saw, you know, the Johns Hopkins uh, professors, Marin McHugh, uh, who did the uh, study on transgenderism, and I looked at that 20 times increase in suicides. So, in other words, uh, this is 10 years after the surgery. You know, when you, you look at it, what Marin McHugh's thesis is, is that, is that um, the 
anxiety levels that cause a person to want a sex change when they're pre-adolescents are anxieties unrelated really to uh, sexual identity. They have a, a small relationship if the parents are very encouraging uh, of the child becoming uh, a different um, uh, sex. However, most of the time the anxiety level comes from physical and sexual abuse. Uh, that's in uh, uh, between 40 to 60 percent of the cases. It's also from high anxiety levels uh, in the household. Uh, that's 70 percent of the cases, etc. So it's another it's problem that wasn't addressed. We need to address the particular problem, not exactly. change the person's identity. Okay, we're up against break here. We're interviewing Father Robert Spitzer on his new book, The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church. So hang on. We've got more to come. We'll be right back with more of Mass Appeal right after this message. If you only see the difficulty in parenting, you will never see the treasure. Catholic Charities of Southeast Michigan are devoted to helping moms see the treasure at every stage of life. Project Hope provides material assistance and guidance. Adoption, foster care, and counseling services are also joyfully offered. Our Walking with Moms in Need initiative provides help and hope at every turn. To get involved or make a financial contribution, visit ccscm.org slash mom. That's ccscm.org slash mom. Have the connection with Teresa Tamio weekdays at Ave Maria Radio. Learn and spread the word about the food, clothing, parenting classes, financial assistance that these resource centers provide moms, and not just for a few weeks after the baby is born, but often for up to four years after birth. Don't assume that just because you haven't heard about pro-life resources or efforts that they don't or aren't available or that the church hasn't been involved. The media, and I know this firsthand from my years of experience, have been working with the abortion industry to suppress information about resources as well as totally misrepresent or blatantly lie about what the pro-life community offers moms and families in need. And last but not least, do some homework and prayerfully give thanks to these pro-life warriors and consider becoming a pro-life warrior yourself. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tanya weekday mornings from 8 to 10 on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. Light of the East, weekends on Ave Maria Radio. I'm Father Thomas Loya. This week on Ave Maria, so much decorating, so many lights to put up. It is the ancient iconography of the church, even one painted by our Blessed Mother herself, that will explain our need for imagery. Now on Ave Maria Radio's newest FM stations, 105.5 FM in Southfield and 107.9 FM in Ann Arbor. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mast Appeal. We cannot take any phone calls at this time. Welcome to Mass Appeal, the Saturday morning show on Catholic Radio where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. This is Colleen Kelly Mast. You can learn more about my work at my website, sexrespect.com or respectforyou.com. Today's show is pre-recorded, especially for you, and we're interviewing right now Father Robert Spitzer about his new book, The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church. And you know that today what we are facing in our culture is a glorification of sin. And and someone who corrects a sinner, that practices that spiritual work of mercy, admonish the sinner, they're all automatically called a hater. 
you're, you're, that's hate speech. But nothing could be further from the truth about these destructive lifestyles that we need to rescue our loved ones from this life of darkness so we can shift the culture. And that's what Father Robert Spitzer has given us in this book and many of his writings, how to change the culture. But this moral wisdom of the Catholic Church empowers us. So, um, Father Spitzer, why do you think a lot of Catholics are afraid to address these hot-button issues like abortion or same-sex marriage or transgender? What, what's that fear in us that, that the culture is telling us, be quiet about it and accept it? Yeah, there's two um, reasons. The first is because um, uh, Catholics have been marginalized of, as being disrespectful um, by especially young people, by young people who really don't know what the church is doing. The church is not really attacking transgenders or homosexuals or those who have same-sex attraction. What the church is doing is attacking the lifestyle because it's so utterly destructive. Mm-hmm. And now, Great Britain, for example, is now coming in. Let's take transgenderism. Uh, Great Britain itself, secular institution, obviously, as a government, mm-hmm. has suddenly reversed its course yeah, on gender affirming therapy completely. They want mm-hmm. to back out of it. They've got a wait-and-see attitude because they know not only that this mutilation is permanent and people who are trying to detransition is what it's called are, can't do it completely. They can't return to normal. They're very resentful that they were encouraged to do it. But worse, like once you get the surgery, you're going to have a surge of elation, right? You're going to say, that's it, solution of my problems. Two yeah. to three years, you're going to be happy. Mm-hmm. At five years, you're going to start getting buyer's remorse. <laughs> By the time you're 10 years after the surgery, your suicide rate will go up. You know, the general population is 1.6% of people commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Yours is going to go up to 34 to 35%. You're going to be like 20 times higher. Not 20%, 20 times higher. It's going to be a combination of the recurrence of the anxieties and exacerbation of the anxieties, plus buyer's remorse and no way out. And that's what's leading to this tremendous impact. And, of course, Great Britain is looking and going, this is appalling. We've got to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The United States hasn't done it yet. But the Catholic Church is trying to just do what the government of, of Great Britain is now doing. Uh, the, the Catholic Church is not saying you're a bad person because you feel that you have transgender desires or you have cross-gender confusion. Right? The Catholic Church is saying, if you do this, here are going to be the spiritual and emotional consequences Mm -hmm. and they're devastating they're horrible they're permanent don't do it and so uh, you know again all i wanted to do is point this out to people that everything that jesus christ said and you just said it so well colleague you know everything that jesus christ said about you know morality is going to be very good for emotional health not just spiritual health but that certainly but also emotional health marital health relational health and in the end cultural health so let's face facts uh, Jesus uh, is so right, and people think that sexual sins are so victimless, and they are so wrong. Oh, yes. And one of the primary victims is yourself. So yeah, that, exactly. Your capacity to love is harmed. What do you think <laughs> yeah. is the Catholic Church's most controversial moral teaching? Do you think it's birth control, or uh, what do you think it is? 
Oh, no, I think the two hot-button issues are homosexual lifestyle and I think it's transgenderism because um, it used to be birth control, but right now uh, we're being accused of being marginalizers and haters of people when, in fact, mm -hmm. we're trying to love people and say, here's the truth. You can't make a free decision unless you know the truth about what you're getting yourself into. So that's, I think those are the two hot-button issues. Birth control is right behind because people uh, believe that the population explosion, quote-unquote, is going to ruin uh, the world. And they truly believe it is morally irresponsible to have children when, in fact, even people like Elon Musk are looking at this big, huge Lancet, Lancet is a big, huge uh, medical journal, the most uh, prestigious medical journal in, in Great Britain. They're looking at the study and going, uh, that's not right. Uh, by the time we hit uh, 2046, uh, uh, we're going to be math. almost, you know, you know, people in developed countries are going to be in real financial trouble because they're not going to have a sustained population. And in 2076, we're going to have a population implosion that is so serious. Developed countries, even with massive immigration policies, will not be able to reverse the tide. Yeah. You know, and like I said, even people like Elon Musk are shouting, this is a complete myth. Yeah, and he's so, not a representative of the Catholic Church in any way, but he's just looking at the numbers and the population and the future that we're predetermining right now. Yeah, and he speaks the truth right out of there from the studies he's reading. He's not going to be bullied uh, out of, you know, the contemporary propaganda. And frankly, I just don't see why the contemporary propaganda persists except maybe to, you know, uh, some false belief that this will somehow improve the environment or something of that yeah. nature. I just can't see it because we are just running right up against a huge world-class tragedy. But at least the developing nations nations will then get an economic advantage, even though the developed nations will lose their identity, lose yeah. their financial stability, and be you know dependent on massive immigration, which we're not prepared for, um, and but is going to come. And so I just say to people, you know, if you think that we have a net decrease in um, you know uh, per capita income around the world and even the most impoverished countries because of population, you're quite wrong. At the time when population increased was at its maximum, we were getting a five times increase in per capita income, even in the poorest countries in the world. Mm. The solution to these things, of course, ultimately is education and technology. And I just I make my point very clearly in every area. The so-called run out of energy thing, we already saw, you know, that um, at Lawrence Livermore, two scientists have already used lasers on uh, deuterium uh, in order to p produce a, a, what's called a net productive fusion reaction, uh, which of course will be clean energy. And, and if you're using deuterium, you know, which is basically, uh, you know, a, a form, uh, it's an isotope that, that or not an isotope, but a, an, an element that, that basically is uh, partially fused, and you use that, there's lots of sources of uh, deuterium hydrogen uh, that's out there to fuel. Um, you know, fusion reactions, and once this becomes, uh, you know, um, a uh, uh, you know a, a constant in the universe, in the, in the world, once we base, basically bring this on board in a commercial way, uh, you're going to see well that energy problem that everybody was uh, threatening, about. you know, 
it's over. And right. the Malthusian myth, myth has been out there. This Anglican cleric, um, Malthus, basically uh, um, predicted that because you have an arithmetic increase in, in resources and you have uh, what's called an exponential increase or geometrical increase in um, in uh, population, uh, the population will so outseed the, uh, exceed the resources that uh, we're going to all be in trouble. It's going to lead to famine and fighting and disease. And none of this really matches the the true reality if you study the whole thing. So we know that yeah. that God has done everything well. We have to take a soft break here now, Father. We're, I love hearing all your brilliant ideas, and I know our listeners do too. So we're speaking here on Mass Appeal with Father Robert Spitzer, the brilliant theologian, philosopher, sociologist, scientist, who has put together a beautiful compilation of a defense of the controversial moral teachings of the church called The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church. Um, the book will be available um, here at AveMariaRadio.net at the Ave Maria Radio Bookstore. I'm sure at many other places. It's published by Ignatius Press. So um, stay tuned. We're going to um, talk a little bit more to Father Spitzer, of, like particularly maybe how we can rescue our loved ones. How can we utilize this book, The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church, to rescue our own loved ones from this life of darkness? And what makes this book a little bit different and whether you're catholic or not how it can help you so hang on we'll be right back with more of father robert spitzer talking about the moral wisdom of the catholic church rooted in scientific studies that prove the church is right we'll be back in a moment with more of mass appeal hi vanessa denhagarmo here inviting you to tune into epiphany we're made to praise god and celebrate our faith i want to encourage listeners to connect communicate and collaborate with the faith community life is a journey and along the way we have those epiphany moments that bring us closer to christ please partner with me and celebrate the diversity of our catholic church epiphany weekdays at noon only on ave maria radio food for the journey sister and shield you know we would avoid a lot of difficult arguments just spouting off at the mouth, as we sometimes say. Just ask the Lord, give me the words to say. Maybe I'm rightfully angry, but if I just shout and yell and scream, what good is that going to be? Brothers and sisters, God can give us much more control over our anger, over our fear, over our language. And so whenever you're in a tight spot, just stop for a moment and say, Lord, what would you have me do here? God is good. I don't mean he's going to say words that will come down from heaven. But if you pause just for a moment, you'll get hold of yourself. And you may well get a thought that you didn't have before. And sometimes it's just quiet, but it's enough to bring down the steam. And then you think what is really right to say here. You might be justifiably angry. How do we respect the other person while we're correcting them? Please, brothers and sisters, let us open our hearts to God in those moments. Sister Ann Shields gives you food for the journey, weekday mornings at 645 and again at 1130 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mast Appeal. We cannot take any phone calls at this time. We 
Good morning and welcome to Mass Appeal, the Saturday morning show on Catholic Radio where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. We're talking to Father Robert Spitzer here, the author of a new book, The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church. And Father Spitzer's mission has been from, for many years trying to help us heal the culture as Catholics. So this new 585-page book, keep it next to your Bible, your catechism. You'll read it and be affirmed like, I knew that was right, and now science is proving the Catholic Church these things are true and then you will refer to it later on so so get one keep it there between your Bible and your catechism and it'll help you change the culture so um, Father Spitzer when this, this show is about going out and making a difference we want to rescue our own loved ones our acquaintances our co-workers how do we rescue them from this life of darkness by using the information you've compiled in this book The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church yeah <clears throat> I would just say um, uh, whenever we do anything, you know, of course, the first thing to do is pray uh, mm-hmm. before you, you know, connect with people. Our Lady and the Lord uh, just, uh, you know, gives us through the Holy Spirit the, the real information we need. The second thing is um, that this is, you know, not about an argument about who's right. It's what uh-huh. is for your own good. Mm-hmm. What do you need to tell your friends? So I, I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm telling you so I can be right. I, I want to just tell you about the consequences of whatever it is, transgenderism, homosexual lifestyle, because these consequences are so serious. If you leave your friends in the dark, is that really a true friend? Mm-hmm. If you say, go ahead, you know, to the little two-year-old, just play in the street. Don't worry about it. Are you <laughs> being a, a, a good parent, a, a good friend? Obviously not. I mean, the, the objective is just to say, I've got some real statistics here that might be of real importance to you. I just thought we might go over just a couple of them together. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, you know, you, you get into a homosexual lifestyle, look at what's going to happen to your depression rate. It's going to go up by 3.5 times. What's going to happen to your um, major, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, psychiatric uh, conditions rate? It's going to go up three times. How about substance abuse? It's going to go up almost five times. What about um, a panic disorders over five times what's going to happen to suicidal contemplation it's going to go up between five to seven times uh, in terms of suicides depending on what your you know whether you have a a philosophical or religious predisposition away from suicide or not but uh, uh, it's between five to seven times 40 percent of the population in homosexual lifestyle i mean it's it's so dark that they are 40 percent entertain suicide regularly now, all I can say is that's not healthy. And what you, we want to tell our kids is you ought to know this. And when you're talking with your friends, don't say, go ahead. Don't, don't say, uh-huh. it, it, you know, it's okay. Just look at the data. I mean, this comes from the Netherlands. This comes from major studies of depression and anxiety in, in countries that are very, like New Zealand, very friendly, uh, you know, to, uh, to um, transgendered people or to homosexual uh, uh, lifestyle people, etc. So um, nobody's against same-sex attraction. You have same-sex attraction, I'm going to love you as much as I love anybody who, ha- you know, has, um, you know, um, uh, heterosexual attraction. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, why would I differentiate the person? The church tells us not 
to do that precisely. Rather, it's to look at that lifestyle and make an honest critique based on secular studies. And so that's one approach, and that is the truly compassionate solution. That's that amazing, and you've got all these compiled right in this book. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll tell everybody once again, we're speaking with Father Robert Spitzer here. We're coming near the end of the show. This book that he's compiled, uh, well, uh, political studies, economic studies, sociological studies, the moral wisdom of the Catholic Church to defend the controversial moral teachings of today will help you go out and change the culture, give people the facts, don't accept the lies of the culture, and go out and make a difference. Thank you so much for being with us, Father Spitzer. Mass Appeal is produced by Ave Maria Radio and broadcast through the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Copies can be purchased or free downloads can be found at the Ave Maria website, AveMariaRadio.net. If you have a comment or question for Colleen, write to Colleen at AveMariaRadio.net or Mass Appeal at AveMariaRadio.net. And listen for Mass Appeal Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 Eastern Time for free friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. The Doctor is in on Ave Maria Radio. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here of The Doctor is in. You've heard of the incredible shrinking man. I am the incredible manly shrink. Delighted to have you with me every day on The Doctor is in. Dr. Ray Garendi, weekdays at 1 on Ave Maria Radio. This is Life News Radio. I'm Jim Anderson. An abortion industry lawsuit is preventing enforcement of abortion bans in Florida. The situation sounds like there is a credible need for concerted prayer. First, the state Supreme Court is only reviewing the first of two state abortion bans. Then, abortion numbers are up. And 